women especially are craving a kind of attention where they're being loved and celebrated and treasured in a way. You know, I know men want to be appreciated too. So it's not to say like, oh, you should be the only, you know, you should get appreciated also. I want you to be with someone who would appreciate you, but you'd be amazed what happens when a woman feels adored. Hello, and welcome to The Dad Train, where we explore ideas and strategies on how to be a better man, a better partner, and a better dad. I'm your host, Scott Davison. I hope you enjoy this episode and learn something new. Hello and welcome to the Dad Train Podcast. This is episode 52 and I've got a special guest for us today, gentlemen. So listen up. If you've ever found yourself thinking, I wish I understood what women want, then today's guest may be able to help. Her name is Shana James, and she's an expert in man-women dynamics and authentic communication. Now, Shana has a master's in psychology and over 20 years of experience where she's been coaching thousands of men, including CEOs, authors, speakers, and those with big visions to find love, rekindle the spark, and create a legacy in their lives and in their intimate relationships. She's referred to by her clients as the secret weapon because she helps them translate women's needs and understand women's attraction and motivations. Shana is the host of the Man Alive podcast and a TEDx presenter where she presented a talk entitled What a Thousand Men's Tears Reveal. So I'll include a link to that in the show notes if you want to check that out. Now, as someone who's coached thousands of men, both individually and via group workshops. Um, We're lucky to have this chance to speak directly with Shana today, and hopefully we can get a few insights and ideas that we can apply in our lives and in our relationships. Okay, so let's get into it. Shana James, welcome to the Dad Train. Thank you so much for having me. I always feel honored to speak to dads because I have a child, so I just get, I get, I get how much it takes. (laughs) Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it, it's a niche within parenting and then there's niches within that. And and I, I guess I wanted to ask you about that part of your background, first of all, because yeah. I, as I mentioned, you've got a master's in psychology, but I know that's mm-hmm. a really broad field and yeah. often people will end up specialising in a particular area. And in yeah. your case, you've chosen to specialise in um, helping men. So yeah. how did that happen? Yeah, well, right. When I was doing my master's in psychology, I actually was headed toward working with women. And I've always, I'd always been interested in relationships, uh, romantic relationships, especially. I grew up in a family where, you know, bless my parents, bless their hearts, but it's a pretty dysfunctional relationship. And so I thought I was going to work with women. And then I had an opportunity. I was part of this conscious community in San Francisco about 20 years ago. And I had this opportunity to be a part of a workshop that the men who were, you know, part of this community created after having these amazing interactions with us as the women in the community and getting real-time feedback from us in a loving and honest way. And so they created a course because they wanted men, other men to have this because they felt so much more empowered and, free and alive. And so they brought us in 
as women to support the men and something in there. I mean, my heart just broke open as I started to see behind the facade or that, that, you know, way that men can tend to not put their heart and soul out in the world because you get shamed for it and, you know, called a wimp or what all those things. So I just really started to get to see men's hearts. And I, I don't know if you've had that experience where, um, you know, there are things you're like, oh, this would be good to do. And other things where you're like, whoa, I can't not do this. It feels like a calling. So that's happened multiple times as I've thought, yeah, maybe I'll go back to working with women. And then I'm like, whoa, okay, nope, not yet. <laughs> so yeah, that, that was how it started. Okay. Okay. And what, I mean, what are some of the common issues that you're typically helping men with? Help men with? Yeah. I mean, I often work with men who are either single and don't want to be, or they're in a relationship where the spark has faded or there's a misunderstanding, you know, something's not going well. So it's usually men who, um, you know, want more from their relationships with women. It's oftentimes men who are really successful in the office and, you know, they're CEOs of companies or they, you know, have a big vision. They're having a huge impact on the world. And for some reason, women aren't saying yes, whether it's their partner, long-term partner, or whether they're single and, you know, they're being seen as a friend or a, a nice guy. I tend to work with a lot of men who identify as nice guys. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's that's very common, isn't it? Where men are um, smashing it in their in their um, professional life, but perhaps um, not doing so well in their in their personal life. Um, yeah. So, and there it, is an overlap, right? Like I often see men who are doing, you know, they're doing well, and yet there is room for more leadership, or you know, to they want a promotion, or they want to be making more money, or they want a career that has more meaning. And so there are often overlaps of where there's, I don't know if I would say a stuckness, but like a, you know, a limitation or somewhere that they haven't gone beyond. Okay. Okay. So there is, um, I guess what you're saying, there's a bit of synergy between the two, but and yeah. the, the actual skills, I guess, that men need in a professional context compared to a um, personal relationship Um what, what are the differences there? What are, what are some of those key skills? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because there are a lot of overlaps. The more, if someone, if a man is in a work context and he's leading people, the more he can actually listen, you know, in a deep way and really attune to what's going on with the people in the room. And the more he can bring some kind of vulnerability or, you know, allowing people to see what's going on. That doesn't mean breaking down and, you know, falling apart and showing everything, but some degree of humanness or humanity, right? All of those things also help in the bedroom mm -hmm. and or in a relationship. And there is often a transition where men feel like, wait, okay, I've got it, like you said, in the office, and then they go home and there's still more in their heads. So there's still more of this intellectual relating and women tend to not be opened by that, right? It tends to fall flat or it tends to be something where a woman would like you or even love you, but not really want to be intimate or have sex with you because it's in that more intellectual realm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this is something um, I can relate to about being being in my head. I mean, that's yeah. a, a part of my personality is I'm, I'm always thinking about stuff rather than sort of, uh, I guess, a more but maybe a more feminine characteristic of, of feeling stuff, but plenty of men have that as well. Yeah. Is that is that something you can sort of develop if it's not something that oh, uh, yeah. you're naturally programmed to do? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, you know, I would hesitate to call it, uh, we could call it more feminine, right? There's a more feminine aspect if we're talking about the masculine and the feminine and that all of us have masculine and feminine, right? Instead of like only women, you know, are impacted in their hearts and men are in their heads. So Mm. yeah, it's definitely something I work on with my clients of Mm. how to feel and feel emotionally and sense their bodies. And I talk about it as, you know, your body, your body can communicate for you. So when you actually learn to tap into your body or to wake up your body, not just through sports, you know, it's not just like, um, athleticism. It's more actually of a presence and an awareness in your body. As you start to wake that up, women start to have reactions without you saying a word. You know, I can feel the difference when a man walks in the room and he's really awake and aware in his body and he's looking at me. It's almost like he's looking at me through his eyes, Mm -hmm. but from this deeper place. And then another man could be looking at me just from that very heady intellectual place. And on the one hand, it looks almost exactly the same, but on the other hand, it feels very different. Mm. And is this, is this uh, related to um, mindfulness and, and sort of being present? Is, is it sort of the same skill set? Yeah. yeah, it's definitely related. And I think it also, I would say it also has to do with an energetic realm, you know, mm-hmm. that it's, it's, that's a little more mysterious, but as we become more mindful and more present, we start to become aware, oh, there are more than six senses. You know, we talk about these six senses, but there, there's this deeper capacity to attune to the feeling, you know, of somebody else in the room, even of the space around us. You know, I, I didn't used to believe this or I just didn't experience it was the field. We create a field when we're with other people and we contribute to that field, whether we know it or not. And so if we feel anxious, mm-hmm. oftentimes someone near us will start to pick up on that. Or if we feel angry or we feel sad and, you know, we, we can feel all those things. There's nothing wrong with feeling any of those things. When we are conscious that we're feeling it, we can actually ground it and be, that's, that's really sexy for a lot of women is when a man is emotionally available, he's open to his heart and he has the capacity to not just dump or try to get rid of that, but to really hold it in a deep way, recognizing, okay, you know, I'm an amazing man. There's nothing wrong with me. And I have thoughts and I have a lot of emotions and I have these bodily sensations. You know, I'm not just a walking head and there's something really enlivening about that. It's like mm-hmm. when I'm near a man who's feeling all those things and has access to all those things, my body starts to naturally wake up and come alive. Okay. Okay. So this is one aspect you're helping a lot of men with is sort of tuning into the, the body, the emotions and, and accessing some of those, but um, being yeah. being comfortable yeah. with that in a, in a sort of, I guess it's a, a self-aware, but also self-confident sort of way, is it? Yeah, there is. There's there's a self-confidence of there's nothing wrong with me if I'm feeling any of these things. Mm. 
And there's also nothing wrong with a woman if, you know, for men who are heterosexual, there's nothing wrong with the woman in front of me. And so can I actually stay connected no matter what's happening? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of men who I've worked with have a hard time when a woman gets emotional, when she gets sad or when she gets angry, it can be really challenging to actually stay connected. You know, a lot of men either want to run away or shut down or kind of check out and it's possible or fix it. Yeah. Stop her feeling that way. Or, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the more you can start to hold it without trying to fix it, and hold a woman in the full range of her, which is, I know it's a little bit esoteric, but women will start to soften and open and, you know, more of their feminine comes out instead of the masculine, which is, you know, a lot of heterosexual men are really looking for that, that femininity in their women that they, you know, they can feel that they want that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Shana, you mentioned uh, another word, um, previously it's a yeah. it's a word that comes on a, a lot firstly it's a hard word to spell but it's often a hard word for men to um understand and deal with yeah. which is vulnerability so mm-hmm. what what do you mean what do people mean by you know we need to be more vulnerable we need to show our vulnerability and, and ha- yeah. ha- how do we sort of do that as men without um you know coming across as weak and spineless we, yeah yeah to me vulnerability is one of the strongest things you can be. You know, I think it's so fascinating that men will oftentimes dive out of a plane or whitewater kayak, and that's not terrifying. And yet sharing what's really going on, if it's not, I've got it all together, can be really scary. So, you know, I love how Brene Brown talks about vulnerability, that it doesn't have to be that you're uh, you know, on the floor sobbing or, or falling yeah. apart. It's more just that you allow someone to see what's really going on for you. So there might be fear, there might be upset, disappointment, jealousy, there might be uh, desire. A lot of men I work with have um, have limited their own desires because they want to be kind and respectful to women, which I deeply appreciate. But I also like to help men have room to be, you know, more desirous and and um, more risky with their desires and bring them in a really respectful, collaborative way. Okay. I think okay. I just changed the subject a little bit. So no, if you no, want to no, go I, back I, to vulnerability, I, I, I get what <laughs> okay. you're saying. Though it's about it's about um, uh, showing what you're feeling and what you're thinking without being ashamed of that because I guess as particularly as men were often um, raised at least um, traditionally to sort of perhaps not show our vulnerabilities um, or not not even show a lot of emotions I think um, you know anger is the one emotion men are often um, most allowed to show or comfortable showing but all all of these other uh, I guess um, softer type emotions were often uh, program not to show them, but but that's what you're talking about. There is it just sort of letting letting people into what you're feeling. Yeah, there's a not trying to prove mm. or defend, um, and and it gets easier the less shame you have about that, right? If it's like, oh, I'm feeling jealous, 
or I'm feeling upset right now, or I'm feeling like I might just got my feelings hurt. If you're recognizing, oh, well, that's human. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with me because of it. Then you can share it in a much more matter of fact way. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the challenge comes in where, and we all have it, you know, we, we get ashamed of ourselves or ashamed mm-hmm. that something's happening inside of our experience emotionally or physically. And then we do all kinds of crazy things. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, one of the reasons why I love helping men wake up to their bodies is because it can be easier sometimes to say something like, Ooh, when you said that, I just felt a little like I got punched in the gut. Mm. You know, that can be an easier thing to say than I just got my feelings hurt. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the body yeah. gives a lot of access to connection without having to expose some of those things that men tend to think of as, you know, making them look bad. Okay. Okay. So tuning into your, your body, I guess, is, is um, your first. Uh, point there of, of how we can start to connect um, mm-hmm. better mm-hmm. with with our partners. Yeah. What, what are some of the other um, tools and um, techniques you work on with, with your clients? Yeah, one of them is around mastering your attention. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we've said, you know, we are a very heady culture and men can sometimes be very much in their head and that's encouraged at the office. And when you actually start to notice how much of your time is spent either in this internal monologue or mm-hmm. looking to the future and trying to figure that out or plan that or digesting or kind of going through the past, it's not very often that most of us are actually present and really there with another person right here, right now. And so when you start to master your attention, which is a little like building a muscle, you know, if you're going to the gym and it takes a little while for it to get stronger, but then you can start to put your attention on another person or a woman and you'll start to notice more subtleties. Like she'll laugh, but you get this sense that it's kind of hollow Mm. or you ask how she's doing and she'll say, I'm fine, but you see more of a grimace on her face or Mm. you start to notice these discrepancies and subtleties. And then you start to speak to them, not in a way where you, the beauty of this also is that you don't have to have any answers. You know, it's like, oh, I noticed that you frowned, but you said that you were fine you know, is there something going on? Mm. And it can be so amazing for someone to feel seen and heard and understood because most of us are so not <laughs> that. And especially with the modern day, you know, everybody's moving around and on their phones and moving really fast. So it's it's it becomes a superpower when you can really master your attention and tune in to someone else's experience. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, um, you know, we people think they're coming to you as a, I guess, a, in some cases, as a, a dating coach or yeah. someone to help them um, yeah. attract women. And maybe they're thinking, oh, you're going to help them uh, figure out how to dress and how to do their hair. Yes. But everything you've spoken about so far is it's more, all nothing to do with, um, yeah. you know, how we look. It's, it's all to do with how, how we're connecting Yes. Um, and that's, I love that. I mean, there are people who do work with clothing and whatever, but I just find there's, there's so much that happens 
internally that just has a, a way bigger effect than mm-hmm. what you're wearing or what you look like or how much money you make. Mm-hmm. There's there especially women, women especially are craving a kind of attention where they're being loved and celebrated and treasured in a way. You know, I know men want to be appreciated too. So it's not to say like, oh, you should be the only, you know, you should get appreciated also. I want you to be with someone who would appreciate you, but you'd be amazed what happens when a woman feels adored. Mm. And when, you know, I know I, I feel really fortunate to have a partner who is so good at making whatever I'm feeling right. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm sobbing or I'm really turned on or I'm really turned off or whatever it may mm-hmm. be, you know, the the doorway to more connection and intimacy is often through first making that right, accepting that this is what is instead of that resistance of like, oh shit, this is happening again. Or God, I wish it was some other way. It's like, yep. all right, this is actually how it is right now. Yeah. And now what do we want to do about this? Or how do we want to be, right? Because like you said, it's not always doing or fixing. Sometimes I just need to cry for five minutes or have a hug or just be reminded of something. And then I'm much more connected again. Yeah, I've heard heard this expression a few times lately around um, not, you know, human doing versus a human being. It really is about Mm -hmm. a lot of the time human connections are just about um, being there rather than trying to... um, solve a problem or do something. Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, men aren't taught that for sure. No, no like, we're problem solvers. Um, that's yeah. what we're taught to do. And, and we take that into uh, the relationship often. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's probably a common um, common thing that comes up in your couples counseling. Yes. There's, there's, there's two things that um, come up in the sort of dad groups that I'm in and, and yeah. through feedback I get um, from other dads two uh, common problems I, I guess I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. The, the first one um, is is very common, which is um, dads are, you know, uh, two or three years into their parenthood journey, um, maybe, you know, five or six or longer years into their relationship. Um, yep. And the, the, the spark's gone out of it. The intimacy's yep. gone out of it. They're, they're feeling like uh, roommates rather than um, lovers. Yep. Uh, and it's it's all just about you know routine the kids who's doing what who's doing that and, and yep. they've sort of lost yep. that spark. Um, is that something you come across um, often? And and if so, yeah. how do you sort of advise uh, dads in particular to approach that? Given all Navigate the other that. all the other balls yeah. they're trying to juggle, you know. Yeah, it is something I I come across. And when we talk about mastering your attention, the beauty of that is it could happen in five seconds, mm-hmm. right? It can be with a look. So one of the things that I advise is to actually start to be more present. And instead of just being in doing mode, really to slow down and slow, you know, slow down yourself and slow down the situations so that it's not just like, okay, bam, bam, bam. I mean, granted, I'm a parent. I know things need to get done. It is relentless. There's not often, you know, a lot of space or time. And Therefore, it's even more important to make those moments more connected. And so I often work with dads to start to bring the spark back in that way. And then, you know, the other thing I think that a lot of men may not realize, I think men often realize that women are slower to warm up 
mm-hmm. again, I don't want to, I don't want to say everybody, some men are slower to warm up, but you know, there's a lot of women who it takes a little while for, for sexual warming up. And so one of the teachers I had once said that there are seven gates that women go through, you know, one after the other to get mm-hmm. to turned on and men have three and they go through all three at the same time. <laughs> now, yeah. Again, I don't want any man to feel bad if that's not the case. If you're slower yeah. to warm up, that's great. You yeah. know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just noticed that there can often be a kind of tit for tat or, you know, I'm not going to put attention on her unless she puts attention on me or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Same thing I say to women, you know, there the, it really helps to come from a generous place of instead of complaining Mm-hmm. starting to bring your desires or starting to act out some of your desires, you know, again, collaboratively. So if you start to move in to kiss her or to make a move and she retracts mm. and gets more rigid, then that's a really powerful time to say, oh, what what just happened, mm. right? Not Don't try to override that. Don't collapse into, ugh, you know, getting all pissy, Mm. right? The more you can actually stay centered and mindful, as you said, of, hey, you know, I want to be close to you. So Mm. what happened? What what may start to happen is that a lot of the stuff from the past couple of years may come to the surface Mm -hmm. because women start to shut down their bodies when there isn't a way to express what they're feeling, the exhaustion, the resentment, the fear, the lack of feeling sexy anymore because their body's like, you know, being groped at. And, and so um, I know for myself, I used to be a lot more expressive before I had a kid. And then once there was a kid around, it was like, I, I just would start to stuff so much. And from that place of feeling stuffed, there's no turn on, you know, it feels lost and it feels like it went away. So there's a lot of women who some women kind of mourn that and feel mm-hmm. sad about it. Other women go into more numb and cold and they just detach from it. Either way, the slowing down and starting to pay attention and starting to reconnect outside of the bedroom is going to create more likelihood for passion and intimacy in the bedroom. Okay. Yeah, it's it's I mean, I guess it's something men can never truly understand we we go through a transition as dads um lifestyle transition but the the physical um stress and impact and change that's that's on the mother um particularly yeah. you know through birth and and um breastfeeding that that must have a, a deeper oh impact on them and and i guess yeah. um we need to be mindful of that as men that, uh, you know, it's not always about us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it could be that um, there's something else going on there. Um, totally. And nice guys, sexy. yeah, nice guys can tend to sometimes be overgiving or over generous, yeah. but it's in a way that's not very sexy. It's a little mm-hmm. more heady or trying to get something. And so yeah. what I want, what I always like to say to men is it's not that <clears throat> you're not also struggling you know, and you can be honest about that. Like, Mm. it's not that you have to then put all your attention on her and shift over to, you know, trying to take care of her and trying to be generous. I mean, that's great, actually, that most when I, I always have this joke that, you know, if if I walk into my kitchen and the sink is not full of dishes and someone else has done it for me, Mm -hmm. I end up feeling really turned on (laughs) because it's like, I don't have to do another damn thing. So, you know, that is really helpful. But 
Also, you could come to your partner and say, wow, I imagine this has been really hard for you and maybe the hardest couple years of your life. And you realize we haven't really talked about it that much. And, you know, it's been hard for me too in different ways. And I really want to understand what it's been like for you because I think that we've missed out on on really knowing each other and being part of the same team in this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And this nice guys um, that you're referring to, like um, nice guy syndrome or nice guys yeah. finishing last. So what what's the balance there between sort of um, being nice and being kind, but um, yeah. not being um, too soft and not not losing. I guess it's about not losing sight of our own desires as men, is it? Or? Yeah. Right. D- yeah. Making sure that you're still connected to your desires. You can mm. be flexible. You can be collaborative around them, but if you've given them up then that's a problem because Mm. some usually some years or decades down the road, you're going to eventually feel resentful or wonder why you're feeling dull inside and, you know, why you're not actually happy or connected anymore. And so, yes, don't give up your desires. Be really clear about what they are. And that doesn't mean that all of them are going to get met or all of them will get met with the same person but know what they are so that you're not ending up in someone else's life. I mean, my ex actually, I was divorced about nine years ago now. And one of the things he said to me after we separated was, I was living your dream. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the one hand, it was really painful because I felt like, well, I didn't ask you to live my dream. You chose to live my dream, right? Mm -hmm. There was some irritation or resentment I had. And then on the other hand, I had this compassion, like, wow, he really lost parts of his own self in there, you know, in a, in a beautiful attempt to mm. create a relationship or help me be happy. And so it's a common thing that men and women both do. There's yep. the good girl and the nice guy. And if you've got a good girl and a nice guy together, usually <laughs> no, that's where a relationship... Yeah, that can kind of just fade out and people become more like roommates and people say, well, we don't fight and that's great. However, there's also not a lot of aliveness usually. Yeah, okay. So, and and what you've described there with your ex-husband, I think is again something that um, I hear a lot, which is, or I observe a lot, which is, you know, you're giving every, a dad in this case is giving everything to their kids and the relationship mm-hmm. and their work and, they, and they've sort of lost um, lost sight of who they are, um, yeah. what their desires are as a person. Yeah. Um, so I recommend. Say, yeah, I really yeah. recommend. You know, whether it's making a list or yeah. meditating and getting clear on some of your desires, and then start to take some action around them, mm. whether it's with your partner or whether you need some time away, you know, Mm. you can have these conversations where you say to your partner, I love you. I, I care about you. I want us both to be more alive. I think for me to feel more alive, I'd really love to go away for the weekend Mm. with my guy friends Mm. and rejuvenate, you know, Mm. and a woman might get upset, but if she's going to get upset, it's usually because she also wants that and yeah. she hasn't taken that for herself. And yep. so then it's a really amazing opportunity to be like, okay, how can we both support each other to feel more alive? Mm. Yeah, this is something as uh, well in any relationship, but particularly once there's kids involved, is you know remembering to do a bit of um, self care, right? Is, yes. Um, yeah. And it's hard, yeah. but it's also problem solvable, right? Mm-hmm. 
you know, if, if there's a, somebody's a big no, because, well, I don't trust a babysitter or I don't trust this or I don't trust that, then Mm. that's gotta be navigated and worked through like, okay, you know, would you be willing to, to brainstorm this or to problem solve this or to find a way that we could actually both feel like we're coming back alive so that we Mm -hmm. don't lose each other that it's important. Yep. And the way you've explained it there around getting you communicating your desires without, uh, or your your needs and desires without um, it coming across as a complaint, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you just dig a bit deeper on that for us? Yeah. What what do you mean by, by that approach? Yeah. So a complaint would be, we haven't had sex in three months and, you know, I don't like it that way, or Mm. I'm upset about that. Right. A desire would be, wow, I want to ravish you sometime (laughs) this week. Or, you know what, I would love to feel um, that intimacy and that connection in our hearts and our physicality. Like when we're, when we make love, I miss that. And I really want to create that with you. And I'm wondering, you know, what would it take for us to create that with each other again? What are the conditions that are necessary in a way? Yeah. You know, do we need a babysitter? Do we need to go away? What mm-hmm. what would allow that to happen? So I think of it as opposite sides of the same coin, a complaint. Yep. Anytime there's a complaint, there's a desire for something to be different. And it's so tempting. I used to do this in my marriage. It's so tempting to complain. And there's a way where we feel like, I felt like, well, if I brought the desire instead of the complaint, they wouldn't know that I was upset or they wouldn't something like they, mm-hmm. you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't feel sorry for me or compassion yeah. for me or something, but it just works so much better when you bring the desire because otherwise people start to defend or want to protect themselves. And with the yep. desire, it really inspires someone to come along for your ride. Yeah, that's that's awesome, actually. So yeah, it's it's very much about focusing on what you what you want, what you do want, what you don't want. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes you have to back into that by first yeah. being like, "Ugh, I don't like this." Mm. You don't always have to say that one out loud. Yeah. You, know, you could keep it, <laughs> or you could say head, it to yeah. someone else. Yeah, and and be committed to turning that around. Okay, if that's the complaint, what's my yeah. desire? Wow, no, that's really powerful. Thanks, Shona, and. Look, the other thing I was going to ask you about, and you've mentioned it um, you, that yourself that you're um, divorced, but a lot of yeah. a lot of the dads, it's often the dads who are most active, actually, are most um, sort of uh, intentional and, and and in a lot of these um, dad groups are, are the yeah. divorced dads. Um, yep. And uh, aside from the parenting challenges with that, one of the challenges is you know getting back into a another relationship and yeah. not, re- not repeating the same um, the same mistakes. the same mistakes but also sort of finding themselves and creating I guess they want to be able to create a positive example for their yep. kids as well yep. so again is, is that something you deal with uh, helping divorced men um, yes. get back in the game yeah I would say that's actually one of my specialties I have a guide that I can give you mm-hmm. to okay. um, you know for for your guys who are divorced it's I love it. There's something that I, you know, not that I would ever wish on anyone to get divorced, but there's this amazing opportunity to re-clarify, you know, who am I really? Because now that I'm an adult and I'm not just picking based on that woman's hot or I feel this, you know, love in my heart, or there's something that happens as we get older mm-hmm. and as we've been humbled a little bit, where we start to recognize, oh, all right, I 
I was part of that pattern. You know, I did, I did create that and I don't want to create that again. And so let me really look at how do I do this? How do I do this this time around and not recreate the same patterns? And I find that the humility that happens from having, whether it's we've been burned or something just died or faded or whatever happened, there's something in there that often has people who've been through divorce willing to go deeper. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, again, I just see it as an incredible opportunity. Like, oh, I didn't even know that it was possible to connect at such a deep level. I didn't know that I was only listening at 30% or I didn't, I didn't know these things. Mm -hmm. And now I get to put them into practice and play with them again. Mm -hmm. So it was a real opportunity from a from a tough situation, but turning it into an opportunity and um, yes. reinventing yourself a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that that's. I mean, it's some, you've covered some really powerful stuff, actually. So to, and, mm, um, uh, that a guide that you mentioned there, I'll make sure I include a link to that in, yep. in the notes. Okay. But um, for, for for guys out there who perhaps want to learn a bit more about you or, or get some of your other guides, what's what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can go to my website, which is shanajamescoaching.com. And mm-hmm. Shana is S-H-A-N-A. If you go to shanajamescoaching.com slash three ways, there's a guide there. It's the three ways women, uh, three ways men lose influence with women and at work. So that's one of the options, you know, to get a little bit more. And then we'll put the, uh, I'll give you the link for the divorce guide. Um, my TEDx talk is shanajamescoaching.com slash TEDx. And as you said, it's what a thousand men's tears reveal about the crisis between men and women. Okay. So, so what, that was that, is um, a, what was that um, talk uh, sort of, uh, what, what led to that topic? Yeah, that, that, what led to that was having worked with a thousand or more men at the point of mm-hmm. when I created it and realizing that men's tears and vulnerability were not being seen or heard or Mm. respected in the way that I really want them to be. I I would love to create a cultural change where we're really welcoming men's vulnerability. I think it would be massively, I I mean, I think it would just be such a huge change for the world if that actually happened. Mm -hmm. I would like to work toward that. The suicide rate for men is, is pretty astronomical. And I think that a lot of it has to do with men feeling isolated and alone and that it's not okay to share these mm. vulnerable parts mm. of themselves. No, you're right. It, it, it will take a while for that change to happen. I mean, it, it could just be the bubble I'm in here, but I'm definitely seeing um, a lot of that uh, change starting to happen yeah, in, it's with starting. men. And it's, it's, it's often men who are speaking, or what I'm seeing is often men speaking up about it, but it's great to see um, you as a as a woman focusing on this issue mm. and speaking up Thank really you. on behalf of men um, and, and giving us a bit of an insight into, you know, um, what, what women are thinking and, and the other how side. to better connect. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. no wonder they call you the secret weapon or a, 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 a spy or something. But it's it's actually been really, really valuable um, stuff you've been sharing with us, Shada. So I want to thank you for coming on the show and having a yeah, chat. Thank you and, for um, having me and for supporting the dads. Like I said, you know, for you listening, I have deep respect and I know what it's like to to try to parent. I don't know what it's like to be a dad, but actually as a single mom, I feel like I'm the mom and the dad at the same time (laughs) often. So, you know, I am, I am the only one who's making money in my household and I'm right Mm -hmm. there. There are these pressures that I can relate to. Mm -hmm. So I know that it takes a lot of work and I, I appreciate you guys. 
Thank you very much, Shana. Thank you. That was another episode of the Dad Train Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that discussion and learned something new. You can find the show notes for this and all previous episodes at thedadtrain.com slash podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you'd like to support it, please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts if you're able to, and spread the word to other dads who may be interested. If you'd like to learn more or to get in touch, you can visit the website, which is thedadtrain.com, or follow me on social media at thedadtrain. Thanks for listening to the show. I do really appreciate your support. I'll be back next week with another episode, but until then, good luck on your journey to be a better man, a better partner, and a better dad. I'm Scott Davison, and you've been listening to The Dad Train.